out by saying that. <laughs> but it's good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Good to see some new faces in here. Some some, some familiar faces. Cammy, you're back. You're back. It's good to see you. Always good to be around you. Brought some friends with you. Looking forward to meeting them. So uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, today is a special day. Um, it's uh, Call it what you want to call it. Um, this is Harley's last Sunday with us. But really it's not, though. Did you ever play those old video games like Mario Kart or racing games where like you, d- you hit a lap and then it saves your ghost and it's like always there? So like, hold on, that's just, this is an on-the-fly analogy. But Harley has left her mark here. So even as she goes to Baltimore, we're still going to feel the presence of Harley and how she loved people, how she invested in people. That's always going to be here. We're always like, oh, there's like a, there's going to be a hole missing here. No, she's pioneered that kind of way for some of us to step up and fill. Amen. 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 Harley, thank you for being who God has made you to be and not shying from that ever. We gotta do our thing, church. We love you with the love of the Lord. We love you with the love of the Lord. We see in you the glory of our King, and we love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. We love you. The celebration, we're just beginning. I know there's game time tonight, and we're going to have an announcement later about Wednesday night. It's going to be a good time, so um, amen. 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 Let's go ahead and let's dive into the message, okay? Right. Sound good? Yep. If, you, if you don't know, here at the Wichita Church of Christ, for the month of May, we're talking and uh, uh, looking at John 15. Jesus cares about being the branch or the vine, and we are the branches about what it means to bear fruits that lasts. And so we're continuing that today. And today's message is called Nourishment Via Connection. Nourishment Via Connection. Who wants to live a deprived life? Raise your hand. It's a horrible task. Nobody. We want to have life to the life in abundance, nourished life. Every human being, I don't care where they are, that's, that's what we crave. And we're pretty good at trying to find to get to it, right? right? But unfortunately, the thing about humans is finding that for myself means someone else goes without. That's the way of humanity, yeah? It is only through God that we can actually have that nourishment and experience that life to the full, to bear fruit that lasts. Yes? God's chosen his people to bear fruit that lasts. When a human being places their identity firmly within God, they become positioned to truly love and give to others around them. The resulting change that occurs within the person and around them is called fruit, right? As in the fruit of the Spirit. And it is this fruit that provides the defining characteristics of true life. That is what we have come to call bountiful life or flourishing life. I'm recapping for us right now, okay? Does this sound familiar? Have you been here? I hope so. 
But the fruition of this new life within us requires that we too, like an actual fruit vine, are pruned. By the hand of God, the gardener, we have to let go of parts of us that we've taken on that aren't from God. These are things like false narratives that we come to believe. Unfair expectations for ourselves and for other people. And humanistic wisdom. Less of those parts of us leads to more of God in and around us. So we are chosen to experience and share bountiful life by relying less on ourselves and more on God. If you want to summarize the last three weeks. of Jesus, the more you let it and the more you really let it resonate and you think about it, you meditate on it, the more real it gets. The more on the hook you are. You know, myself, I've been, man, this has been incredibly challenging. I mean, I think there's always a part of if you teach something or share something, you've got to kind of, you've got to be doing it, right? And so <laughs> from a spiritual angle, like, I could say all sorts of crazy stuff up here, but am I doing it? Am I living it? Am I experiencing it? And I'm just being completely, brutally honest with you guys. I'm being pruned. And it hurts. But I'm experiencing intimacy with God in ways I've never experienced in my life. But I'm asking myself these questions, and I, I, I ask you guys to do the same. Do I actually perceive myself as chosen by God? Do I actually think of myself in those terms? Or is that just like a cool catchphrase from church? Is my identity really secure in who God is? Is the life I chase after even close to what God wants me to have? Bountiful life. Or am I just really wanting to chase after what I think bountiful life looks like? Man, I just bought another NFT pack from Top Shot. I was really hoping I'd get a really nice uh, moment in there and I could call it quits. I'm chasing after a bountiful life. I'm chasing after money, security in that. I don't know about you, but I'm just speaking vulnerably. How far off have I gone in that pursuit? Am I filling my life up with more human wisdom than God's wisdom? So much TikTok philosophy, YouTube gurus, and even books that we just take it as fact. But do you vet it against God's message, God's word, against scripture? Does it stand the test of time? Am I going too fast in life to even hear God's voice? Those are just some of the questions we got to stop and ask. So what, what is this whole nourishment via connection thing about? When we take our eyes off Jesus, thank you for reading that scripture. That is the secret. We did not plan that. When we take our eyes off Jesus and we find ourselves focusing on a results-based fruit established by the status quo of society and religious organizations, we begin to meander down a path that looks more like the vine of consumerism than the vine of God. And enter like the American Christian complex that we have come to know and love. I love the chosen. Yeah, I love all these cool things. I love, you know, some Toby Mac is cool in a while. I'm just name dropping people. Okay, yeah. I'm going to get a letter sent to the church. I know it. 
<laughs> I got to stop saying names. But if we focus on Jesus, his words, his mission, and his life, we will remain connected to the true vine. It is only here we find nourishment that leads to bearing fruit that lasts. Okay? Let's go back to the word. We're going to John 15, where we've been and we will stay. John 15. Um, all of the passages I'm reading from today, I switched it up from my CSB to the NET translation, if that matters to you, okay? If that matters to you. John 15, starting in verse 4. It says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. This is Jesus talking. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, because apart from me you can accomplish nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown out like a branch and dries up. And such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father's honored by this, that you bear much fruit and show you are my disciples. To bear fruit, you must remain in Jesus. As soon as you step foot outside of that, it's not going to happen. You're going to accomplish nothing. You're going to continue and perpetuate the cycles of humanity that have been happening for thousands of years. Jesus says, apart from him, you can do nothing. Do you really believe that? Do you truly believe that? Because I think universally, like, we'd say, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. But then why do we keep trying to do stuff apart from Jesus? <laughs> why do I start keep viewing myself apart from the way Jesus views me? Why do I view other people apart from the way Jesus views other people? Why do I act in ways Jesus would never act? Why do I act like the people that Jesus is, like, teaching against? Like, if I really believed that I can do nothing apart from Jesus, then why do I... Why do I do anything else? And this is the struggle. This is the wrestle. This is where we, at, where we are at as people, yeah? yeah? So what does it really mean to remain in Jesus? What does that actually mean? Like, let's get that off the bumper sticker and really dive into that. Remain in Jesus. That sounds so nice, doesn't it? Remain in Jesus. Going to Sunday service, that's remaining in Jesus, right? Midweek too, if you really want to remain in Jesus. Having a certain appearance or attire, yeah, that person remains in Jesus. I could tell. Holding to a particular moral code? What is it? What is it that means you're remaining in Jesus? What is it for you? You have to be honest with yourself. We all have that. We ever, All of us right now, we could do it. We know what we think it means to remain in Jesus. We have to be aware of that. We have to know that because it's through that we're judging ourselves and others. It's through that where we can veer away from actually what Jesus says. Surely there's more to remaining in Jesus than outward things. This is more than a surrender. 
natural exercise or head knowledge. Belief is not up here. Belief is with your whole body. It's with your life. Remaining in Jesus is not about cramming a bunch of information before the final exam. Sorry, you guys have finals this week. That's not what that's not what this is about. And then dumping all that information after it's of no benefit to you. This is about living in him. It's hands-on, it's experiential, and it's the most relevant thing you will ever hear and do. The word remain, uh, other words that would be helpful maybe if you're stuck on that, to reside, to live, to abide, to stay, to dwell. Those are all very like physical things, right? All very like holistic things. Like if I were to say Star Wars lives in me, Embrace Star Wars. I must dress up like a Jedi every time I watch. In all, you know what I mean? Like Star Wars lives in me. And when we hear someone say it like that, we're like, "Wow, they are over the top. They they really like that. They are really about it. They've given their whole selves, their whole life to it." But then, how is it Christian? Jesus lives in. Me. We don't have that same expectation. We're like, "Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, he lives in me too. Yeah." The Greek word for uh, remain, abide, it's meno. And it's, um, we're going to be jumping into 1 John here in a little bit. 1 John uses that word 24 times. <laughs> a lot. Meno. And I'm 90% sure I'm saying it wrong. That's what I do best. It refers to an intimate relationship between two parties. Much like the Hebrew word yada. If you, anyone attended the Jennifer Condon into that recording, yada. It's very much very similar to that, right? So as we've centered on John 15, we've understood the context in which this teaching occurs. The, the, those chapters of John 13 through 17, it's called the farewell discourse. Jesus is really just putting it out there like, this is my ministry, this is my mission, this is my purpose, and this is your purpose. Like all of that is John chapter 13 through 17 also serves as the basis of the writing of 1 John, which is a poetic sermon given to the early church. And the, the Christians in this early church were struggling with really the kingship of Jesus in their life. And so, and they were being tempted to cave into their previous percep- perceptions of God and religion. And so that's what 1 John is based off of, the farewell discourse. Jesus was too subversive for society back then, <laughs> kind of like today. So a core message of 1 John is that God's true children centered their lives in the love of Jesus. And it's here in this sermon where we find some keys to what it means to remain in Jesus. Are you ready? Yes. You like 1 John? Yes. Emily, I know you do. All right. Well, I got it printed here. But if you've got a Bible, open up to 1 John. <laughs> 1 John. And um, if you read First John out loud nonstop, it would take you 16 minutes on average. That's less than one episode of The Office. Okay? So I say that to say, take some time to read all of First John. Because it was a sermon. So we're going we're gonna to take some pieces of that right now. 
But I think later I would implore you guys to listen to it all. It's a message and just listen to it, okay? You could play it on the app. You could read it to yourself. Uh, have a buddy read it to you, something. But here we go. First John in chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, Now by this we know that we have come to know God if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know God, and yet doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in such a person. Whoever, But whoever obeys his word truly is the person, uh, in this person the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. So what does that mean to remain in Jesus? It means to walk as Jesus walked. To walk as Jesus. How did Jesus walk? How did he live? Think about that for a minute. You see, we cannot claim to remain in Jesus unless we behave like Jesus. I think there's been a little bit of pushback in our society to the whole WWJD thing, like, well, I can't turn water to wine. I can't be like Jesus in that way. No, actually, Jesus himself said people are going to do even greater things than I did. I think what Jesus is saying, like, yeah, miracles are cool. Exercising demons, cool. Water to wine, cool. Healing sick people, cool. But the transformation of humans' hearts and the transformation of societies, way more cool. <laughs> that is miraculous, if you think about it. The changes happen that just happened in you is miraculous it is do you believe that we cannot claim to remain in jesus unless we behave this imitation to the fullest of course john uh, this is a rabbinical language to follow jesus as a disciple matthew 28 we know this go make disciples of all nations But do you know what it means to be a disciple? It means you leave everything behind and you follow your rabbi, your teacher everywhere, everywhere. You eat with them, you sleep near them, you follow them as they're doing whatever. If they're going to go buy food at the market, you're following them. You're observing everything they do. You're mimicking everything they do to try to be like them. If they go to the bathroom, you come in, not all the way, hopefully, but you listen because he might say a prayer when he's in there and you don't want to do you follow Jesus with that intensity? So when we say walk as Jesus walked, that is a whole life, whole everything commitment. It's not on the one eight percent of Sunday morning, Wednesday night that we walk as Jesus walked. That's not it. It's twenty four seven. Everything. What else does it mean? remain in Jesus. Let's stay in chapter 2, but skip to verse 24 with me. As for you, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Now this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. Guess what is another way of understanding that phrase, eternal life? Bountiful life flourishing life life to the full and we know what that means we've talked about that we cannot claim to remain in jesus if we don't live according to his words if we don't live according to his words many of us are drawn to the promises of god via jesus 
and that is the place where we where we profess our discipleship. That's when we we study the Bible, and we're like, man, this is incredible. It's, it is changing my life, and we give ourselves. We're baptized, jump into that life. And over time, isn't it crazy how incredibly prone we are to numbing ourselves to those same yeah. words that once changed our lives? How does that happen? What must happen? Sorry, guys, this is real talk here. If you're, like, here for the first time this morning, we don't play around. Because this means everything. This can lead us to a place where we to experience bountiful life, and then we end up in this place where we're, we're not experiencing bountiful life or life to the full, and we're confused. We feel separated, isolated. And, and it's a hard place to be. But where does that come from? It comes from not holding on to those words of Jesus. And what is, it, what is it that Jesus said? It says, the things you heard me say in the beginning, the things that Jesus had said, what are those things? What was the whole paradigm of which Jesus viewed the Bible, God, the world, everything? So love your God. And love your neighbor. This is the message that must remain in us. So that we can remain in Jesus. Guys, it's not that complicated. Suddenly it's not so complex. Having a close, intimate relationship with Jesus doesn't mean you have this long task or to-do list. Doesn't mean you need to get the approval of certain people. Doesn't mean you... Ha- Simply what it means is you have to take that message to heart by imitating him in your daily life. Amen. Stay in 1 John. We're not leaving 1 John, but go to chapter 3 with me. Amen. Hold tight. Buckle up. We, we got to talk about what it, remains to, what it means to remain in Jesus. Verse 23 in 1 John 3. It says, Now this is his commandment. We believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and another, just as he gave us the commandment. And the person who keeps his commands resides in God and God in him. Now by this we know that God resides in us by the spirit he's given us. Again, what is this command of Jesus? It's love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Trust God, love each other. If you think back to John 17, sorry, if, if you're unfamiliar, but John 17, Jesus is praying before he is killed on the cross, and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays some really cool stuff. But one of the things he's praying is he's praying for his followers to be one with God like he is one with God. Right? That's what this is. How does someone get to be one with God? It's by trusting in him. And it's by a life that shows love to everybody. I got a quote here from Zane Hodges from the book, The Epistle Epistle of John. It says, The Christian who hates his brother acts utterly out of touch with God. He exemplifies the murderous spirit of Cain. And he is abiding in the sphere of death. By contrast, the loving Christian takes Christ's own self-sacrificing love as the model by which he himself should love in actual deeds and in accordance and in accord with the truth. 
Where are you at this morning? There are degrees to this. There's transformation that occurs. Amen? This is not about perfection. Only God can perfect you. Only God can perfect us. You don't perfect yourself. Amen? So let's not forget that piece. But where are you at? Has Jesus' love... Is, is, does that translate into actual deeds? Does that translate into a self-sacrificing love in your life? First John chapter 4, verse 11. Dear friends, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God remains in us. And his love is perfected in us. Don't know what's going through your head right now, but let me tell you this. This is not redundancy. This is not redundancy. This is important. This is everything. This is the most important thing of all. And maybe you're sick of hearing it. Sometimes I am. When I'm having my devotional, when I'm praying, I'm sick of hearing this. It's like you just, you got to sacrifice, you got to love, you got to abide. And I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm over this. I feel like I'm being poured out, bled out. Is that what Jesus did for us? For everybody? This is the strongest argument for Christ in the world. That is, people love one another sacrificially. So Brennan Manning, who had that one quote, is that the number one cause of atheism in, in the world is Christians who Jesus lips but deny him by their lifestyle. <laughs> so what are we about here? What do we want to be about here? What are you about? Maybe that's not the question at all. What are God about? And let's get on board that. Let's jump on that train. Remaining in Jesus is to remain in God. First John is telling us what it means to have Jesus in your heart. Remember that? To have Jesus in your heart. He's actually telling us what that really means. For the Spirit to live in you. I got the Spirit in me. But I don't know if we always know how to explain what that means. First John is explaining that. This is what it means to remain in God. This is what it means for God to remain in you. This is what it looks like in you. These lines and ideas we reference as Christians, but easily we can lose touch with what they really mean. But our role is to simply remain, reside, live on the true vine. And that is it. How does that sit with you? Is that not enough? To do more? Show more? Be more? Is that enough for you? Are you worried about what other people are going to think? Are you worried about being behind? Lagging behind? Not flowering or blooming fruit at the same time as others? Shana's birthday, something crazy happened in the lawn. Did you guys see the pictures on Facebook? Did you guys see the pictures? 
thing. We're not going to get into this part too deep. A bunch of flamingos and pinballs got put all over in their lawn. It was really cool. And so I'm sitting out there having coffee, uh, having some journaling time, and I'm watching the kind of the breeze come through, and there's all these pinwheels. They're all colored differently. They're of all different varieties. Wind will just kind of gently blow through, and some will spin. Others will spin really fast. Others don't spin at all. And, um, and it just kind of hit me. And I'm like, that's kind of like the church. We're spread out. We're a little different, right? We'll have a little different flavor, right? One congregation isn't necessarily like another. But if one of the pinwheels was to look at a pinwheel and be like, hey, how come they're spinning? How come they get to spin? That looks so good. Pinwheels are supposed to spin, right? That's the whole purpose of a pinwheel. And if a pinwheel spins, what should we do? Throw it into the fire, right? Like that's... But the pinwheel will spin when the wind gets to it. The pinwheel will spin as fast as the wind allows it to. I don't know. There's a weird coffee moment with God that I just felt utterly profound. <laughs> and maybe they're like, that's weird. But then there was this one pinwheel. And one of the, the blades or whatever was broken off. And it wasn't moving. And I'm like, oh, man, that hurts. I feel like that pinwheel. And when a pinwheel's broken, when it's hurting, when it's missing something, it's really hard when that wind comes through. It just kind of wobbles, like almost spinning. It's almost like those amusement park rides. It's like, I'm going to spin. No, I'm not. Like, <laughs> kind of does that thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. Shows, like when, when we're broken as a church, yeah. we're missing somebody. Like we can just we can really stop being what we're supposed to be and the wind can't even blow us and turn us. As soon as I had that thought and I journaled that thought, the wind blows through and this broken pinwheel just starts spinning out of control and it's wobbling and it's crazy. I'm like, is it going to break? But it's spinning. That tells me something about how God views us. It tells me something about who we are. It's not, a, it's not a matter of what is necessarily right or wrong or how you look or what we can get into this whole sin management issue. But simply if we just remained and we trusted in the wind, we trusted in God's spirit to move us. And that was it. Is that enough for you? If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably seen a lot of things. You've realized that your fellow disciples are human. And hopefully you've realized that you're human too. But there's good news. It isn't your job to fix it all. It isn't your job to go in guns blazing on a quest of revival. It is a patient and selfless love that builds others up and builds bonds with fellow disciples. It is, the lo- it is to love as Jesus loved. It isn't your role to simply put your head down and wait for hard times to pass. Rather, that is precisely the time to lift your head, to lean in, survey the people around you, and love them and walk with them. For some of us, it is to listen. For some of us, it is to speak out. But it's to to stand up and love as Jesus loved. It isn't your assignment to go out and find a more comfortable faith community for you. It is enduring suffering and finding a way to love and connect with those different than you. That is to love as Jesus loved. All of a sudden, this whole remaining in Jesus thing gets really real and really uncomfortable. If you've been exploring Christianity for a while, but you haven't taken the plunge, you've probably seen a few things too. 
you've probably seen us Christians talk about Jesus being inside of us and remaining in God. But unfortunately, you don't quite see how that plays out in the lives of Christians. And I don't blame you. Hopefully, this gives you a vision of what God is intending. The call of discipleship to Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It takes real trust in our creator to bear with ourselves in the transformation process and with other human beings in that process. But ask yourself this, what kind of world would it be without people willing to get their hands dirty in the work of self-awareness, change, and building patience and actionable love for our enemies? This is the kind of work God wants to partner with his people in. So the bottom line is this. Spiritual nourishment only comes through an intimate connection with God where we practically imitate Jesus in our daily lives. Those are not just words. And they cannot be. Okay, one more scripture? One more? Okay, all right. Let's look at one more scripture before we take communion together. It's in 1 John. You don't have to turn far. 1 John chapter 4. Now, some of you 1 John junkies, you're like, I've been waiting for this verse. 1 John 4, verse 7. When a, yeah, great. Dear friends, let us love one another because God is from, because God is, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been fathered by God and knows God. The person who does not love does not know God because God is love. By this, the love of God is revealed in us, that God has sent his one and only son into the world, that we may live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, that he loved us and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins so communion communion is where we as jesus followers reflect on the life teachings of jesus but namely his sacrificial love he intended throughout his life even unto his death on the cross this is a love without conditions That's the whole point of the not that we have loved God part. Rather, that God continually offers us love as a pathway to experiencing true life. And he doesn't do this one time or two times or three times. It's over and over and over again. It is a wasteful love. It is a wasteful love. Think about that. It is the kind of love we are offered today and that we are called to offer to one another and our neighbor. Let's pray and take communion and continue our worship. Father, we thank you so much that you have chosen us to be your people and you've chosen us to experience and to share out life to the full. And you've shown us the way. You've shown us it's about less of ourselves and it's more about trusting in you. And thank you for how Jesus, he shows us the way. And if we really commit to listening to his words and to embodying them and living them out, we too, Father, can experience that true life and we can share 
genuine, real love with our neighbors. God, show us the way. Jesus is the way. Father, we trust that you are doing a great work among us, and you have been this whole time, whether we're here or not. But God, your hand is upon this city, upon our communities. Father, we ask for you to do what only you can do. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for showing us the way. It's in his name we pray. Amen.